Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Well, the last two mornings, very early, could you get my cap up, please? The last two mornings, very early, I have woken up with a dream, same dream, and thank you, sir. The first morning, I didn't understand what it meant, uh, but this morning, the Spirit of God began to open up my heart and to give me some greater understanding of it, and he, he spoke some prophetic things to me concerning, first of all, there's a parallel here. First of all, it is a word for our nation. And secondly, it is a word for some individuals on a, on a personal, individual level. Okay? And so as, um, as a resident, as a citizen of this nation, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I have been very concerned about our nation and some of the things that are that are taking place and some of the things that are going on some of the things we're seeing in our nation and I, I need to speak about it and you know I, I tend to to not speak out about stuff unless I am sure I've got a word from the Lord and if I if I have a word from the Lord then he's going to tell me what to say and it's going to be okay. If I try to say it on my own, it's going to be messed up. Okay? So here's what we're... In this dream, I was watching a, a television program and there was an on-site uh, report that was going on, but... Viewers were allowed to call in on this television program. And now there was a, there were two people that were, that apparently were the, were the broadcasters. And they were sitting in a, in the cab of a piece of heavy machinery. And, uh, you know, something like a crane or something like that. And, um. As they're sitting there, I call in on the show. And I call in to tell them that they're about to have some cannonballs fired at them. Now, I know this sounds weird. 
but uh, you know, I'm going to I'm warning them that that some cannonballs are getting ready to be fired at them, and I, I tell them that two of them will miss, and the third one will explode right in front of their faces. And no sooner had I gotten that out of my mouth than two cannonballs were fired from an unknown location, but two cannonballs were fired and, and went by and missed, and a third cannonball was fired, and it was, it was on track, on course to hit them, and, but before it reached them, it exploded and therefore did not hit them. And as I, I wake up and I'm thinking, that's the weirdest dream I've ever had. But then the Spirit of God began to speak to me about that. As a nation, we're about to have some cannonballs fired at us as a nation. And everything I'm saying about the nation, there are some of you as individuals that are going to parallel this. There's going to be some, some attacks against you. There are going to be two attacks against our nation. There are going to be two attacks against some of you that are going to be fired very directly. They're going to be deflected so that they don't hit you and they go on by. As a nation... We're going to dodge a couple of things. There's going to be a couple of, of, of things, and I don't know if that is in the form of terrorist attacks. I don't know if that's in the form of, of natural disasters. I don't know if that is in the form of, of attacks from within. But, uh, but when you see it, you'll know this is what I was talking about. But two attacks that will pass on by and then a third attack will come and it will explode right in front of us. None of the three will hit us. None of the three will bring the devastation that they are intended to bring. But, but I, I see this, that... There are going to be some that will rise up and they will say that, you know, there's some that's going to say, God missed. As if God were the one that was firing the cannonballs. They're going to say, well, God missed. And then the, there are going to be others you know, that are not going to be so mocking, but they're, they're still on the page of believing that God is, is, is firing uh, weapons against us. And there are going to be some Christian leaders that are going to come out and they're going to say, well, you know, we squeaked by and we barely missed God's judgment and God's wrath and God's anger. But see, they've got it wrong. They've got a wrong premise. They think God is the one that is firing the cannonballs. However, 
God is not the one that is firing the cannonballs. It is the enemy that is firing the cannonballs. And God is the one who is deflecting and obliterating the cannonball. He is the one that is sparing us. And so when you see these things coming, remember there is an attack of the enemy. Its intended purpose is to destroy our nation. And you see it every day when you turn on the news, you're seeing this thing building up. When is this going to when is, when is this going to all blow up in our face? When is this all going to, uh, uh, you know, how much longer can we go down this road? But you see, there are those not just, and I, I say this because I, I, I really feel like that the shots are being fired from within. Some of our own are launching attacks against us. Some of you in your personal lives, there are going to be shots fired at you. But God Almighty will take care of you. So don't fear. Don't fear. And when you see it come to pass, you see God's not finished with you and he's not finished with America. And there are great things Ahead, in fact, I will say this, our finest hour is ahead. Praise God. Your finest hour, I want to emphasize this, this is not just for our nation, but this is for some of you personally. Don't get on that track of saying, God's trying to send me a warning. God's trying to, to, no, God is, he's deflecting what the enemy is doing in your life. Praise God. So let's give proper place, proper recognition to the proper place. The devil wants to destroy you. But did not the scripture say, no weapon formed against you shall prosper? And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's coming. Now, God wants you to know this so that you know what's happening. When it happens, so you know what's going on. You won't have to be saying, well, what's, what's going on? What's, what's happening here? When you see attacks launched against our nation, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because God Almighty is, is deflecting every attack that is coming against us. It doesn't, it, the scripture didn't say no weapon will be formed. It said no weapon that is formed will prosper. Praise God. Praise God.
So don't be afraid of the weapons. But begin to give thanks for God's protection. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. So don't, you know, remember what I'm saying. Because, see, here's, it's going to even be harder when it's against you personally to, to not get in fear. Now, you're not going to, your only challenge is to not get in fear about this. You know, you don't have to stop the weapons. God's stopping the weapons. He's taking care of that. We need to be in prayer for our nation. We need to pray for our president. We need to pray the, the campaigns are already starting to heat up for 2020. We need to begin to pray for 2020. Praise God. You see, God's got this thing handled. And it's going to be almost like we dodged the bullet. But it's going to be by design, by God's design. He knows the weapons are formed. He knows where they're coming from. And he knows how to deflect them and defuse them. Praise God. And the devil's, in, the devil's weapon will blow up in his face. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I just sensed that so strong this morning as I lay there awake just, just thinking about what I had dreamed. And, Lord, what are you telling us with this? What, what are you telling us? Praise God. So receive it today. Hallelujah. Well, on Super Bowl Sunday, we traditionally um, kind of build it up and do a Super Bowl theme. And, and we have kind of done that this year, not on the scale that we have done in sometimes past. Uh, but we're, we're talking about... Um, your biggest fan. Any, we have any fans here this morning? Okay. We got, we got a few fans in the room. Fans, fan is a short term for fanatic. Okay. All right. So it's okay to be fanatical. Well, that bunch of fanatics over there. Well, it's all right. I'm a fanatic. I'm a fanatic for Jesus. Amen. Praise God. And, uh, you know, but, but the thing is, I'm talking this morning, and then I'm going to pass it off to, to Pastor Jason, and he's going to pick this up and talk uh, a, a little bit about it. But the, the thing is that, uh, that, that I'm going to share with you today is that God is your fan. Praise God. God is your fan. He is for you. He is not against you. He is on your side. Praise God. I want you to get this. See, God recognizes what is in you. He, he knows what is in you. Oftentimes, we don't think, you know, nearly, the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said that we ought not to think more highly than we ought to think of ourselves, but to think soberly according as God has given to each one the measure of truth or, or measure of faith. Uh, but you see, sometimes, it's not that we think too highly. In fact, oftentimes, we think too lowly. 
We think too lowly of ourselves because we don't recognize what God has put in us. Now, you can swing the other way on it, and you could get over to what Paul was addressing and thinking too highly of yourself. And see, anytime you start thinking that you deserve something from God, you're really thinking too highly of yourself. You don't deserve anything from God. Everything you have from God came because he thinks so highly of you. Praise God. Because he loves you, because he is love. Praise God. Because he is on your side, he is for you. Praise God. Now, let me, let me share this passage of Scripture with you. Then God said, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, by the way. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth you see the devil doesn't care whether you think too highly of yourself or too lowly of yourself he doesn't care either way as long as it's not an accurate assessment he, he doesn't care either way he, he doesn't care if you're exalted in pride or depressed. He doesn't care. At least, you know, all he cares is that you don't have an a accurate assessment of who you are and, and who God has created you to be. He doesn't care if you're all depressed because if you're depressed, you won't do anything. He doesn't care if you're exalted because if you're exalted in pride, you're trying to do everything yourself. And that either way, you're going to fail to accomplish anything. And so it doesn't matter to him. But here's the thing. God said, let us make man in our image. Now, let me ask you this question. What are the thoughts that you have about yourself? What are the thoughts you have about yourself? You know, are you thinking... Uh, you know, bad thoughts about yourself? Are you putting yourself down? Are you thinking, I'm not good enough? I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't, I don't deserve this. I can't accomplish this. And you begin to think, you know, uh, badly about yourself. You know, are, let, let me just also add this. Are you saying, well, I am this. And what this is, is something that is contrary to what God's Word says about you. For instance, I'm a failure. Does God's Word say you're a failure? No. Let me, let me ask this. What if you're saying, I'm an addict? Does God's Word, does His Word call you an addict? No. You know, what if you're saying, well, you know, I just have a bad temper. Is that in God's image? So begin to assess what you're saying about yourself, what you're thinking about yourself. You see, because it is as you change your view, as long as you're saying what you're seeing, you're going to have what you're seeing. Praise God. Let me say that again. As long as you're saying what you're seeing, you're going to have what you're seeing. 
You're going to continue to see what you're seeing. But when you begin to change your viewpoint and you begin to see what God says about you, that's when you begin to change into what God says about you. Praise God. God said, let us make man in our image. Assess, what am I saying about myself? Is that God's image? In other words, what he is telling us is he created us to be what he is. I don't mean he created you to be God, but I mean he created you in his image and in a sense, yes, because God meaning that you have dominion and authority and didn't he say give them dominion, let them have dominion, let them have authority? You know, God is God over all. You will never be what he is in that regard. He is the creator. You will always be the created. Praise God. So no, we're not trying to usurp who he is. But he said he created you in his image. What are some things that the Bible says about him? He is love. Are you, are you speaking that over yourself? What does it say? He is faithful. Are you speaking that over yourself? He is just. Are you speaking that over yourself? Let me ask this. I mean, the scripture says, as he is, talking about Jesus, as he is, so are we in this world. God created us in his image and in his likeness, but sometimes we think that, that he failed in that. Well, we're really not in his image and in his likeness. I'm not like God. Yeah. And, and, we, and we, f we fail to see ourselves in that way. But look at this. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. I, I'm amazed here. He only, says, only puts two genders in there. Male and female, he created them them praise God so notice that he created man he didn't say uh, in verse 26 it said let us create man in our image and likeness and then in verse 27 it says he created man in his image and in his likeness so apparently what he set out to do in verse 26 he accomplished in verse 27 so God did not fail, and you are, regardless of what you've been saying, regardless of what you've been thinking about yourself, he was successful in creating you in his image and likeness. Praise God. So turn to your neighbor and say, God did not fail. I am in his image and likeness. Praise God. Praise God. Then, get this. 
Second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. You may ask the question, well, what about the fall? What about Adam's fall? If he created man in his image and in his likeness, then what about the fall? Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. He is a new creation. So, what it tells me is, though Adam fell, God's original plan was still intact, still in place, and he recreated you in Christ Jesus, a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you are created to be in his, Jesus' image and likeness. Now, what does it say? Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image. Wasn't that word used in Genesis 1, 26? In 27, he, he created you to be conformed, predestined you to be conformed to the image of his Son. Hallelujah. So we went from creation where you were created in the image and likeness of God. Adam fell. God was still on the plan. He didn't change the plan just because Adam fell. He recreated you a new creation predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. Praise God. Old things have passed away. So what was the old the old thing was the failure. That that old failure has passed away. And now the fresh and new as one translation says it has come. All things have become new and the new things it says are of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Where are you created? In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Now, now get this. Jesus was, when he, when he was walking on this earth, he was Jesus the Christ. He was Jesus the Christ. Christ means anointed. He was Jesus Christ. After he was resurrected, he is referred to as Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean to us? That means that the anointed took over, he became the anointed man, the exalted man. The Bible tells us that at the right hand of the Father is the man, Christ Jesus. The anointed man. And you are created in Christ Jesus. So that means the anointed part comes first, takes precedence over the whatever your name is. Praise God. 
You are in the anointed Christ Jesus. Praise God. We are his workmanship, and he did not fail. Why is God such a big fan of yours? Because he didn't fail. He got exactly what he created. You are what he created you to be, whether you know it or whether you don't. Now, it is to your advantage to know it. It's your advantage to be conscious of it, to be aware of who and what you are created to be. Get this. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So yes, it is God's plan for you to walk in good works. He's, but he didn't create you because of good works or by good works. He created you for good works. He created you with an anointing on the inside of you to do good. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, that he went about doing good. Let me back up just a minute. How God anointed him who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Now notice this. God anointed him and he went about doing good. He has anointed you to go about doing good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He didn't say go about doing good and if you do enough good, I'll anoint you. No, he anointed you to do good. So every time you do something good, you're anointed to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you're anointed to do way more good than you're doing. Now that's not a slam. That's, that's, that's an encouragement. You're anointed to do way more good than you're doing. Praise God. Praise God. And get this. Because God believes. See, for God to believe that, uh, that you're a failure, for God to not believe that you are in the image of, uh, of, of Christ Jesus, for, for God to not believe that, then he would have to believe that he himself is a failure. He would have to believe he failed in creation. God doesn't believe that. He does not believe he failed in creating you. You might believe that, but he doesn't believe that. Praise God. That's why in Zephaniah chapter 3, verse number 17, it says, The Lord your God in the midst, in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Praise God. Praise God. He is rejoicing over you. If there is a jersey with your name on the back, God's wearing it. Praise God. He is wearing it because he is rejoicing over you. And every time he sees himself in you, he said, yes, I knew it. It's always been there. Hallelujah. I'm, 
They finally realized what I put in them. They finally realized what I created them to be. God wants you to know it. And, and I just want to close this part. He knows who's your daddy. Whether you know it or not. Hallelujah. He knows who's your daddy. So turn to your neighbor and say, who's your daddy? Praise God. Because God knows it. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Well, uh, I'm going to make it quick because he took all the time. Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Truth. Truth. So uh, who has either a Bible or a smartphone with the Bible on it or a stone tablet or some way? to uh, view the scripture. I want to start off real fast with this. Uh, go to Genesis 22, and I want everybody to go there with me, all right? Genesis 22. And uh, we see this story um, as, it, as it begins to unfold. Abraham is uh, he's with his son, Isaac, and, uh, and they're climbing a mountain, and they're going to sacrifice. And, and as they're headed up the mountain, um, Isaac notices that there's, there's no lamb to be sacrificed. And he starts asking his dad, asking Abraham, hey, what about this, uh, what about this lamb? Uh, we, we don't have a lamb. Normally we take a lamb when we go to sacrifice. What do I need to do? Normally we take this. And Abraham keeps saying, God will provide a lamb. God's going to provide a lamb. But the thing was that Abraham had gone up and God had told him that he was going to sacrifice his son. And Abraham's obedient. And so they go up, and Abraham is confident in the faithfulness of God, as we, as we say, and that God was going to deliver him from this impossible situation that he was being led into. So as they continue to climb up the mountain, Abraham is, is, is confident in that, okay? Now, I want you to look here. In, uh, in verse number, and I lost it here, and I, I should not have lost it. But I want you to look. It's very important. In, uh, in this passage, Genesis chapter 22, in verse number 6. It says, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, and he laid Isaac, his son, on it. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to his father, and he said, my father, here I am, son. And then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but, but where's the lamb? And, uh, Guys, I'm, I have a bad translation. All this was for a joke. That's really stupid because I can't find the verse. I, have, I had it down, and then he started talking. I started doing other things, and I lost it. But one translation says that in the bushes, God provided a ram. So I just wanted to say hashtag go rams tonight. That was the whole reason. Don't you hate it when you start telling a joke and it doesn't work? It's the worst. I'm normally better at telling jokes than that. I had it written down, and... How about we be for real now? Does that sound good? 
We're talking about worship, and we're talking about God's fandom over us and how God worships or, or I would say is a fan of us, and God goes before us, and he, he, you could say it this way, that God wraps us in his praises. He wraps us in his praises. And I think that's such a beautiful picture to think about the fact that God wraps us up in his praises, that we go out and he is, is preparing the way for us with his praises. I believe that when Isaiah talks about that God puts a garment of praise on us, it's not talking about us putting on a garment of praise. It's saying that God is clothing us with a garment of praise, and he's exchanging our heaviness for his praise. Amen? Praise God. He's exchanging our heaviness, and he's giving us his praise. He's letting everybody know exactly what he thinks of us. Amen? Well, I also believe, and worship was so good today, y'all made me want to go really long, but I got to make it really short. But it's going to be like an impactful 10 minutes. I'm going to be 10 minutes or less, all right? Is that fair? 10 minutes. So here we go. I believe that we are called to worship, and that should be big G God, with all our heart. I believe that we are called to worship God with all our heart, holding nothing back. And we do this in light of what God has done for us. See, if he thinks that way about us, if God thinks that way about me, if he thinks that I am worth it, if he thinks that I have been made righteous through his son, if he has prepared the way for me and is my biggest fan, then my natural response back to him is to worship him. Amen? What do you think? Do you believe that? I believe that's my natural response back to my God in light of everything that he's done for me. It says in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with every single part of us. The scripture teaches us that we are a, a spirit, we have a soul or a mind, and we live in a body or in our flesh. So we can say it this way, that every single part of me needs to bless the Lord. That's what David said. Bless, I will bless the Lord. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Every single part of my life, holding nothing back, I have no walls. I'm not saying, God, you can't go beyond this point. But all of me must bless the Lord. You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, or meaning the thoughts and, and, and your emotions and your will, and with all of your strength or your flesh and your body. Everything shall love the Lord or worship the Lord or express our love to God. Well, I don't know about you, but, but with me, sometimes it's really hard to bless God in everything that I have. Do you ever have that problem? It's hard for me, really, if you want me to be completely honest, it's hard for me to give my 100% all to anything. We always kind of hold something back, right? Every one of us, we're guarded because of things that happen to us. We're guarded. Well, I just put up a few walls. Well, I don't let anybody into that place. And every single one of us at times are guarded. We put up these barriers. We put up these walls. Well, God says, I want you to give me all of you. I don't want any walls. I don't want any barriers. I don't want anything holding you back. We say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't really trust people because of the stuff that's happened in my life. 
I just really have a hard time. No, no, no. No, this is different. This is different. I understand you have hurts, but the only way that you can have your hurts healed is by giving God your hurts. The only way that you can give, and how do we do that? We worship him with everything that we have, holding nothing back. Holding nothing back. Well, I'm excited to say that not only does God require of us to give him everything that we have, but he also empowers us to give him everything that we have. Amen? He empowers us to do that. He says, I want you to give me everything, but I know you can't do it, and so I'm going to enable you to give me everything. He says here in Luke chapter 9, this is Jesus talking. He says, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That word cross, if you look at it in the original text, it carries a connotation of moving something that is immovable. Something that cannot be shaken. Something that cannot be moved. You can't get past it in your life. You ever have those things that, man, I just can't get past it. It's just a cycle. It keeps coming around over and over and over again. And I just, it's a barrier and I can't get past it. Well, he says if you'll deny yourself, if you'll remove yourself from the equation and you'll say, God, reign in me. God, rule in me. God, create in me a clean heart. God, remove those things that I've placed in between myself and you. Then he's going to do the thing that was impossible to you. Amen? Praise God. It's so good that our God tells us to do something that we can't do, and then he says, but then I'm going to empower you to do it, and you're going to have freedom when you do it. Amen? Hallelujah. So the question is, who sits on the throne of your heart, or what sits on the throne of your heart? What is first place? What rules your heart? It can be different things, what rules your heart. It can be all kinds of different things. Maybe it's different depending on the situation. Maybe God rules your heart until you meet a guy or until you meet a girl, and then they rule your heart. Maybe God rules your heart, and then you have a problem, and then that begins to rule your heart. Maybe God rules your heart, and then that addiction begins to creep back up again, and it begins to rule your heart. It begins to dictate what you do. Maybe your job rules your heart. What is on the throne of your heart? I've seen so many people over and over again, we come to church, and we're like, God, I love you so much. God, I give you everything. God, you are 100% my focus all of the time. And then you come up, and you have a need, and that need begins to take precedent. And then God provides for your need, and you forget him. Why do we do that? Why do we forget the one who's given it all for us? Who's on your throne of your heart? Who's number one? The scripture tells us, Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The things that you continually think on in your heart, whatever's on the throne of your heart is going to rule you. It's going to control you. Is God on the throne of your heart or is it something else that's on the throne of your heart? Is God an afterthought? Is God when it's convenient? Is God when I don't have anything else going on? Or is God when I'm in crisis mode and everything seems to be falling apart around me and you're like, oh, God, come and help me? He said, no, 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 I want all of you. And I'm here to tell you this, that if you'll give him all of you, then you won't bounce around needing miracle to miracle to miracle to miracle. 
As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You'll be saved. Believe in your heart. Why? Because that's where his throne is. Because that's where he needs to be. Believe in your heart. You believe that in your heart and let him rule your life. You'll be saved. What do you have to believe? That God raised Jesus from the dead. Why? Because if I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, then I also understand that I've been risen from the dead because he's been risen from the dead. Amen? Praise God. That needs to be on the throne of your heart. Luke chapter 6, verse 45, for out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. What you're continually thinking on, what you're continually meditating on, let me say it this way, whatever is on the throne of your heart, that's what you're going to be talking about. That's what you're going to be speaking into existence. That's going to be your focus. If we would put God on the throne of our heart consistently, 24-7, 365, God is on the throne of my heart no matter what comes my way. As the song says, I'm going to raise a hallelujah. Amen? I'm going to sing a song out of victory, not out of defeat, not out of fear. I'm going to sing a song not out of depression. I'm going to sing a song not out of my hurt that has happened to me in my past, but I'm going to sing a song out of my victory where God has placed me. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Last one. Last one. Acts chapter uh, 16, I think, and verse number 16. It says, now it happened as we went to prayer. This is, this is a story about Paul and Silas. He says, as it happened as, as we went to prayer. And this is uh, Luke that's writing this passage, all right? And it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a, uh, the spirit of divination met us who brought her master such profit by fortune telling. And the girl followed Paul and us crying out, saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, I want you to look right here because can anybody relate to Paul? Paul was greatly annoyed. Can anybody relate to that? You ever been great? Have you been a greatly annoyed today? Man, I had one day this week where I was just like... It, I was annoyed. It didn't matter. <laughs> hey, I was annoyed with Hayden. I was annoyed. Paul was greatly annoyed. One translation says, Paul was greatly annoyed and worn down. Ever been just worn down? Ever been just grumpy because you're worn down? Nothing really happened. You're just grumpy. You're just annoyed. You're worn down. He's turned to the spirit, and he's like, I had enough of you. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. Amen? Praise good thing, right? That's a good thing. Let's go on. Excuse me, my voice is like rough. I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he said to and it came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged him into the marketplace to the authorities. They brought him to the magistrates, and they said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs that are not lawful for us, being Roman, to receive or to observe. 
Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when he had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But it says, but at midnight. But at midnight. This is very important because it's not just talking about the clock at midnight, but it's talking about when everything seems bad at your darkest time when there is no hope and there's no way out at midnight. I want you to keep in mind, Paul was already annoyed. He started the day annoyed. Even before he got thrown in jail, he was annoyed. And he was worn down. What was Paul's response to having the worst day ever? What was Paul's response? At midnight, when there was no hope, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Who was on the throne of their heart? When everything was so bad, who was on the throne? They remembered how God viewed them. They remembered that there's never been a day that God let them down. They remembered that there had never been a day that his faithfulness ceased to exist, that God was a God that was faithful to them, that he was going to provide a way no matter what it looked like, and it was at midnight when there was no hope left. They had God on the throne, and they were singing hymns to him, a hymn, a song celebrating their God. And then what happened? The prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened up, and their chains were loosed. Their chains were loosed. I'm here to tell you this today. God is singing praises over you, and our natural response is to return that by singing praises unto him. We need to put him number one on the throne of our heart. And if you will do that, then I don't care what happens to you. It can be midnight and there can be no hope. But if you will sing a song celebrating your God, not only will your chains be loosened, but everyone around you's chains will be loosened. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God for his goodness. Amen. Amen. It was 13 minutes. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your love and your goodness. God, I thank you for your acceptance. God, I thank you that our chains are broken because of you. I've been set free. God, it's my natural response in light of what you've done for me to return the praise to you. So I do that. And I place you on the throne of my heart. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Jason, man, I, I've, always, I've always viewed God as someone who was angry towards me because of what I've done in my life. I've always viewed God as something that was, that was far off. And yeah, I, I, I've heard that God is good, but why would he be good to me? Because I've done some dumb stuff, man. I'm here to tell you, you know what? I've done some dumb stuff too. 
And my story may not be the same as yours, but it can end the same. Because without Christ, I was broken and hurting, and I needed a Savior. Because I could not do it on my own. And so I heard that there's a God who loves me, that there's a God who cares about me, that there's a God who gave it all to me. Why would he do that? Just because he's madly in love with me. So I want to tell you today, very clearly, God is madly in love with you and he wants to have a relationship with you. We read it earlier briefly. The scripture tells us that if we'll confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, what you're saying is out of your heart. You're doing what the scripture told us in Luke. You're, you're denying yourself. You're saying, Jesus, I cannot do it by myself. I need your help. You're humbling yourself before him. You're saying your way is better than mine. So it says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you'll say, Jesus, I give you permission to rule in me. And then you believe in your heart. You replace whatever is on the throne of your heart, and you say, Jesus, this is your place. I believe in my heart that you are risen from the dead. And the Bible says that you're saved. So what I'd like to do today, whether you're watching online or whether you're in the room today, I'd like to lead you in a prayer. And here at Word of Life, we're family. That means we don't do things alone. We don't go through life alone. I want to invite you to pray with me as a show of support to those who haven't. If you're watching online, pray with me as a show of support to your brothers and sisters all over the world in 100 countries that are praying this with us. And we're going to invite Jesus in. Say this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. Jesus, I believe that you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life to help me and to change me because I can't do it by myself. I thank you for loving me for never giving up on me. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we wanna hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I wanna encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.